you don't necessarily need to see a therapist if you're feeling on the okay side of things, just kind of bummed or grumpy about stuff, but you should acknowledge the losses, even if they feel very small to you or small to the scheme of other things going on, right? Because if we don't acknowledge it, then we're basically trying to tell ourselves it's not okay to feel sad about missing some things, right? And that makes things worse over time. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Healthy Minds. I'm your host, Julie Hawk. I know it's been a couple of months or even years, depending on how you used to listen to the podcast, since we've seen one another or heard one another, I suppose. There's been quite a couple of life changes happening on my end. And, you know, I just needed a little bit of flexibility like we all do during the lovely COVID-19 pandemic and resulting impacts on our life, right? So as I was kind of getting ready to come back and thinking on the last few months and the last couple of years and preparing for the next year and stuff, all that good stuff from the professor side of things, I realized that I really wanted to come back and talk again about burnout and surge capacity and how to take care of ourselves. So do me a quick favor. If you are listening, I want you to think about if this applied to you. So it's currently February in 2022. And as I was talking to my faculty and other folks that work, you know, in the university system and some of my students, it seemed like fall of 2021 was probably the hardest semester for everyone which seems really weird when you think about it, right? We should be kind of pros by this point or really experienced at living through the pandemic. But for some reason, fall of 2021 was really, really hard on a lot of people. So I kind of wanted to, you know, reflect on that a little bit. And I've got some information from You know, I asked some questions of my faculty and a few of my students and on Instagram. And so I've got some input from folks about what was maybe really hard about fall. But, you know, I always welcome your your feedback as well. You're encouraged to follow me on Instagram or Twitter or TikTok or something if you'd like to kind of play along with the podcast episodes. So, you know, I wanted to, to share just a couple of snippets of some of what I heard from faculty. And then I'll share some from, I'm pretty sure are all students. <laughs> some of them are on Instagram, so I can't verify. But anyway, so from my faculty, they said that they were just burned out, that they had nothing left to give, that they had tried their hardest and were just feeling like they weren't making any difference and that students were also very burned out and tired and they couldn't help them the way that they wanted to. Another faculty member told me that they were just so tired of Zoom. (laughs) Relatable, right? So tired of Zoom, but they didn't have any other suggestions about how to to fix it. Going back face-to-face was still too kind of scary at that point, although I know plenty of people have been working face-to-face and the whole time or have been in school or have gone back, but they weren't feeling ready to go back face-to-face. I had another faculty that said... She was really tired of the black screens on Zoom. And again, really relatable. I know it's exhausting as a professor or as as anybody, as a human, (laughs) to be on Zoom all day long. And I know, especially as somebody that has to be on 
the whole time leading our sessions, then it can be really exhausting. You're like, I don't really want to brush my hair. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, put on makeup. My eyes are, are hurting because I'm staring at the screen so long. Or, you know, you're kind of stuck wondering, you know, if I just turned my camera off, would anybody notice? And of course they would if you're the only, if you're the professor, but it does make a really big difference. I know you probably know this to have even like two to three cameras on in a class to your faculty. So I can tell you as a professor, I am a much better professor when I can see people's faces. <laughs> it doesn't have to be everybody. My class sizes are capped at like, um, I think my, my biggest class is 30 people on Zoom although we've lost a couple since the start of the semester, right? So we're probably somewhere around 25. But anyway, even if I can see two or three faces, it makes a big difference for me because we need that human interaction, right? Otherwise I'm stuck just kind of talking to a wall of black screens and delayed comments coming in in the chat and stuff. And I know that it sucks to sometimes be on camera. There are settings that you can ask your professor to use which only the professor can see everybody camera-wise. I don't know if you knew that. So that way your, your peers wouldn't see you, your, your fellow students. And you can also maybe try to like trade off a little bit. So I ask my students to keep two or three cameras on. And I say, I don't really care if it's the same people every time or different people every time. But if you can have two or three cameras on, that'll help me a lot so that I know that I'm talking to somebody. <laughs> I can see somebody's face, right? So that was the faculty side of things. For students... I heard, and this was a wide range. So I, I talked to some of my students that I teach in a high school back in the fall, talked to some of my own students, and then I talked to some club members and then Instagram comments. So I have a couple of different sources here. One of the high school students said that there's just so many classes to keep track of that they couldn't deal with one more. And so they decided that my class was a low priority. I was not offended by that. That's okay. <laughs> We had another student who said that fall was really hard because they had seen the glimmer of hope. We had vaccines. We were starting to kind of loosen up on restrictions. And then the Delta variant came in and it just felt like we were back to square one. And then we were again starting to see the light. And then we had Omicron come in. And so a lot of people were just feeling like they were making, you know, one step forward, two steps back. Okay. Somebody else said they're really tired of people not getting vaccines or wearing their masks. Okay. And they work in like a retail place. And so, you know, they have to deal with that all day long and it doesn't feel safe, but they need money. And so it's hard to care about class when you've got threats to your safety going on. Somebody else said that they were also sick of Zoom <laughs> and that their teachers seemed sick of Zoom. Somebody else said that there's still too much work during the classes and you know, the last student comment I got was basically that they were really struggling, but they knew everybody was struggling. And so they didn't really know what to do because they didn't want to take services away from somebody else. So I want to address that comment specifically in case you're kind of feeling like, you know, I've been struggling, but so is everybody else, which is true. We're all struggling with something somewhere, right? But if you feel like you're struggling and it's interrupting your ability to get things done, then it is more than worthwhile and encouraged for you to go talk to somebody. Most of our community colleges are going to have counseling services available pretty quickly. You can always call like a lifeline or a, a warm line or a hotline. There is also the crisis text line. 741741, which may be good if you're having, you know, urgent issues, but not emergency issues to text them for a little bit of support. 
Okay. So I think we can all agree. Maybe you've been nodding your head along with some of these answers and things, but I think we can all agree that we're just retired. We're, we're really tired. And I cautiously am seeing, you know, things start to open back up again. As of the end of February, 2022, we are through the worst part of Omicron, right? And so hopefully we're able to kind of ease back into the lowered levels of restrictions. So I want to talk a little bit about what's been going on in your body and your brain and kind of explain these comments maybe, or my working theory, if you will, for why fall 2021 sucked so bad. (laughs) So maybe you know this, maybe you don't. I know that we often cover it in like our introduction to psychology class, but in case it's been a while or you forgot that part or you were burned out during that part, I wanted to just give you a quick little refresher about how stress works in the body. Okay. So first we have something that causes a stress. We call it a stressor. Our body does something called a primary appraisal and it decides, is this a threat or not a threat? Okay. So you're walking along and you see something out of the corner of your eye and you're like, oh no. And then you realize it's just a tree, right? So that would be your brain going E and we have that little bit of stress response. And then we realize it's not a threat. Okay. Let's say it it is a threat, something scary. You found a bear. (laughs) If you see a bear and you recognize this as a threat, then your body needs to decide, is this a low or a high threat? We call this the secondary appraisal, okay? So in the case of a bear, I'm going to assume that this is high threat for all of us. (laughs) So this will kick in our fight or flight system, the HPA pathway, which is going to release cortisol and adrenaline and stuff into our body. These are all good things, especially if there's a bear, right? We need to be able to run away, punch it in the face, (laughs) whatever, but we have to be able to handle it. And so we want our body to be activated meaning that our muscles are ready to go, our breathing is increased, our heart rate's increased, all this stuff is ready to keep us safe, okay? The problem is, as many of you know, when we're experiencing stress over a long period of time, we then run into our systems wearing down because they were never designed to be on high alert all the time. Our stress system is just simply not set up to be on high alert all the time. So, What we run into after, you know, a long period of stress is the exhaustion phase. And this happens for pretty much everything. So again, maybe you can relate to this. I know that I did this in my undergrad when I took finals, (laughs) which was very stressful. Taking finals is very stressful. So I would be, you know, elevated in stress. I'd be kind of like high strung, right? I could feel my body experiencing stress. Once I finished finals, I would often like go home and like pass out (laughs) for like, 10, 12, 14 hours, I'd be done with finals week. And I would just kind of take a a nice long nap, which, you know, turned into sleeping overnight or whatever. And so this is really, really common. So your body is running on this high level of stress and it bottoms out, right? It hits this exhaustion phase and is like all done. Sometimes it happens before the stressor is dealt with, which is what I think we're running into now, right? So nobody is designed to run on high levels of stress for two years. Okay. We're not even designed to run on high levels of stress for more than, you know, a couple of hours at a time if need be. And so even very experienced people in emergencies, our frontline workers, our nurses, our paramedics, our EMTs, all these really important people who are very experienced in managing crises and 
issues are running into burnout and they've been burnt out, right? I mean, if you look at the news, you're able to see that, you know, folks are just done, right? Uh, we have a lot of people quitting or, re or resigning or moving to other jobs or things. And I can't say I blame them, right? So they're, they're just so burnt out. They can't cope anymore. Okay. So let's talk about burnout a little bit. And I hope you haven't experienced it, but many of us are probably in this burnout or surge capacity ending phase. So we'll, we'll talk about both. So burnout requires exhaustion, emotional exhaustion. You wake up tired, right? You wake up dreading your job. You wake up dreading going to school. You wake up dreading, you know, another day of parenting, whatever you might be burnt out in. And it could be in multiple areas. We have depersonalization, which means that we're feeling very disconnected from what we're doing. Okay. So for folks that work with people, or if you're a parent, you might be mad at your customers or your kids or other pieces. If you're in school, you may have lost the drive or motivation or the reason, right? So mostly I'm assuming <laughs> you went to college to, to do something. You have a dream, you have a goal, right? A lot of us are probably feeling very disconnected from that. And I know that I have been starting to feel some burnout in my own PhD studies as I'm in my dissertation. The very last thing I have to do, right? I mean, it's a big project, but the very last thing I have to do, and I am really struggling. It's hard to care about stuff right now. When we have so many other bigger things going on or competing things going on, it can feel very difficult to focus and to care about what's going on. And then we have the last one, which is diminished personal accomplishment. So you feel like you're not making a difference or what you're doing doesn't matter. Okay. So for a student, right, it might feel like you tried to, to work on that assignment and, you know, you maybe still didn't score as high as you wanted to. So what's the point, right? What does it matter? That's that diminished personal accomplishment. So that's burnout, exhaustion, depersonalization, and diminished personal accomplishment. <laughs> I've experienced burnout before pre-pandemic and a job. And the only thing that worked for me to fix burnout, I'm air quoting here. The only thing that worked for me to fix burnout was I had to switch my job because the reality is a lot of burnout comes from being overburdened or overly stressed with not enough support or resources to get things done. And so sometimes that can change if you are very fortunate and you're in a situation where you can either get more support or resources. Unfortunately, not every job or every role has that. I do want to say for students, in case you're listening and you're feeling burned out as a student, the college has a bunch of support services and students really don't use them the way they should be. You're paying for it with your tuition, right? Might as well go ahead and use these services. So I know that I recommend students to the tutoring services or the writing center all the time. You can go to some of the wellness workshops. Your wellness center is great. There's counseling services. You can form study groups. There's all sorts of ways to get some extra resources that are already in place. They're already there. You just have to look for them. Okay. So let's shift out of burnout though, and talk about something that I think almost everybody has experienced. And I know that I've talked about this at the beginning of the pandemic so long ago now, but we talked about surge capacity then. And I want to talk about it now, two years in, right? So first off, surge capacity is when we have a sudden burst of energy to deal with stressors over a long period of time. Okay. So this is saying your body is going to keep you in a surge capacity, give you extra energy to keep you running for a long period of time. 
So this is where the emergency or like alarm phase is chronic, AKA a pandemic, right? I know you probably are really sick of this phrase, new normal, kind of makes my skin crawl to hear it, to be honest. But because this is our new normal right now, right? Living in a pandemic and having restrictions and maybe feeling not so safe or frustrated or grieving. I mean, there's just angry, so many, so many emotions, right? One of the biggest struggles for a lot of people is that they're experiencing ambiguous loss. So there is very real loss. I want to be clear, right? Maybe you lost a family member or a friend or a job, or you didn't get to graduate the way you were intending to, or you you didn't get prom or, you know, you broke up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever, right? So there, there's very real loss, but we also are then dealing with this like ambiguous loss, meaning that somewhere, somehow something is missing and we're not a hundred percent able to nail down what it is, which makes it even more difficult to grieve this ambiguous loss. So this really helped me kind of think about how I was approaching my self-care plan, my coping strategies, how I was dealing with burnout and exhaustion phase and all these different things. So I know that we talked about grief before. We talked about it for a long time, actually. I think we talked about it for a whole hour. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode if you need a refresher on like concrete steps to dealing with grief. But with surge capacity and with ambiguous loss, right? So we will trigger our long-term stress coping system, surge capacity, and then we still haven't resolved the problem, right? So unfortunately, we can't really fix the pandemic like by ourselves. I can't sit there and be like, I'm just gonna (laughs) pull a 70 hour work week and, you know, call in a couple of friends and we're gonna do some paperwork and fix it. That would be lovely. And if I could, I would, I promise. Unfortunately, most of us aren't used to dealing with this ambiguous problem. We are very solution focused in the US, very outcomes driven. And I don't know how to approach a problem that I can't fix. I know that sounds very goofy, but maybe you can relate, right? Maybe you're feeling like, oh, I actually don't know how (laughs) to get this done because we don't know how to cope with it because we don't know how to fix it. Step one is acknowledging that there's something missing from our new normal and that we can't fix the overall problem, right? Some of these losses are very real, like I mentioned. So you may have lost somebody to COVID or to overdoses or to other things happening during this time. But we also lost our way of life, many of us, right? A lot of us also lost our safety or security that we had, educational experiences, for sure. One of the biggest things for me, and I know this sounds really small potatoes in the scheme of things, but we have to acknowledge it or otherwise we just kind of boil over, is I really miss taking my laptop to Panera (laughs) and grating while, you know, eating bagels or, you know, some sort of baked good or, or lunch or something. I used to take my grating on the road with me, with my laptop and, and sit for, you know, two, three hours, but I would tackle a lot of stuff in that time. And I really miss kind of being able to do that. We were just getting to a point in the fall where I was starting to feel like, oh, I I could sit out here, you know, with my mask on when I'm not eating and I could grade or, you know, I can drink my coffee and grade in this mostly empty Panera as I'm going through. But we had those variants come through and it caused a lot of problems for people again. So lots of ambiguous loss. And again, going back to that one student who said, 
they were struggling, but they knew everybody else was struggling. So they didn't feel like what they, you know, they couldn't reach out for help. You know, you don't necessarily need to see a therapist if you're feeling on the okay side of things, just kind of bummed or grumpy about stuff, but you should acknowledge the losses, even if they feel very small to you or small to the scheme of other things going on, right? Because if we don't acknowledge it, then we're basically trying to tell ourselves it's not okay to feel sad about missing some things, right? And that makes things worse over time. Okay. So, you know, me, I like to make sure that we are not just talking doom and gloom the whole way through that. I always try to give us action steps to cope with things. So to kind of wrap up and bring it forward, right? So you may be burnt out. You also may be experiencing consistent surge capacity exhaustion. So you might be running on surge capacity and then bottoming out for a while and then coming back into surge capacity and then bottoming out for a while. And so this is also not great for our bodies over time. So let's talk about ways we can cope and move forward with things. And I want to make sure that I'm very transparent about this. This is something that I am still learning myself. I am still struggling with myself because none of us have true answers on how to navigate, you know, coming up on, you know, the start of year three of a pandemic, we just, we don't have that information. So what I can do is provide you things that have worked for me, things that have worked for other people, guidance from experts. One of my psychology role models, (laughs) that's a weird thing to say, but one of my favorite psychology or psychologists that I know of gave an interview recently. And so I listened to some of her advice as well and and wrote it down. So we're going to talk through some of that. Okay. So first, like I was saying, we have to accept that life is different, that this is our new normal. I know I hate that phrase. So let's kind of unpack what that means. It means that we can go, this sucks. I miss eating at Panera. Or we can say, you know, I really hate Zoom school. Or I'm really frustrated with my living situation, whatever, right? So we can acknowledge the suck. So once we've acknowledged the awfulness or the difference or whatever else, we can then kind of move forward because a lot of us spend a lot of time trying to pretend things are okay. And we've been taught to do this since a very young age, right? We've been taught to say, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm okay. How are you? Right. And so we make sure that we kind of don't rock the boat with other people. So I want to be clear that acknowledging your stress Acknowledging the situation is like step one, right? Because if we're spending a lot of time suppressing it, we are not addressing it, right? And so we can't keep squishing our feelings about the pandemic down for, you know, another couple of months or another year or whatever else we're in for here, you know, two weeks, hopefully. (laughs) But we're not giving up. We're not saying like, this is the worst. And then I'm just going to roll over and never take classes again or never grade anything again or, you know, whatever, but more about adjusting. So we can go, this really sucks. And I'm mad about it. And you'll be surprised how much lighter you feel after just acknowledging it. Once you acknowledge, you then adjust, right? So creative self-care, I know we've talked about self-care so, so many times. One of the biggest issues that folks are running into is a lot of our self-care stuff is shut down or not safe or not worth the risk for a lot of people. It's especially hard during the winter months when we have limited sunlight and it's cold. So like, you know, if I want to go outside, I've got to like really want to go outside (laughs) 
during the winter months and like really bundle up and stuff. But the good news is spring is coming. We've got longer days already. It's been unseasonably warm again here in Maryland. I think it's like 60 or something today. So we're on the upswing for weather. So hopefully that helps us with our self-care strategies. Staying connected with people is so, so important. And I know you know this by now, right? I want to encourage you to change up your method of communication with them. A lot of us just text or send memes or TikToks back and forth, (laughs) which is great. That is a good way to stay connected. But we also want to make sure that we're using our voice, video calls, talking, maybe meeting up outside now that it's warmer out and going for a walk, those kind of things. And, you know, taking calculated risks, to protect your mental health while protecting your physical health, right? So if you and your friend are, you know, vaccinated, boosted, et cetera, and aren't in a lot of high-risk activities, maybe they're part of your, your bubble or they're some of the people that you will see without a mask on, right? And building our overall resilience, okay? So resilience is so, so important. We have to fill our buckets of resilience. So the basic, basic steps of doing that are sleep, We need seven to nine hours of sleep every night as, you know, mostly adults. (laughs) We need to be eating regularly and, you know, high quality nutrition. I'm not saying don't eat brownies because brownies are delicious and you should have some, but making sure that you're not just eating Pop-Tarts and like Mountain Dew and and those kind of things. So we're getting the protein, we're getting the carbs, we're getting our veggies and stuff in. Exercise. Again, you don't need to run a marathon, but making sure that we're moving our body is really, really important. One of the ways that I try to add more exercise into my day is I park at the far end of the parking lot when I go to campus. I try to walk around the building before I go to the classroom. If I'm going to the grocery store, I'll walk the grocery store without a cart first and then go get a cart and come back. So little ways to add more movement into your day, right? Stretch breaks throughout the day are also really important, especially if you're stuck in Zoom school in a chair all day long. Staying connected, having good boundaries. We've had an episode on boundaries too, if you need to go look for it. Practicing meditation and mindfulness, also another way to build up your overall resilience, okay? So I know we're just about at the end here. So what I wanna kind of leave you all with is that we are all stressed (laughs) and we are all kind of in this weird, disconnected, slightly burnt out, overserge capacity stage. Although I hope that with the kind of declining numbers recently, the spring weather coming in, that many of us are able to kind of see the light figuratively and literally and be able to kind of start to take steps and ownership again of our self-care, of our resilience, of our well-being, and move forward. So your challenge for the day is to schedule, or your challenge for the week, whatever, is to schedule some self-care in, because we often leave it last, and it should be first. So take a look at your calendar, schedule 30 minutes, two hours, whatever you've got, right? And do something that's just for you. Try to check the guilt at the door, maybe disconnect from your phone, Endless scrolling doesn't really help anybody, (laughs) although I do it too. So making sure that you've got some true self-care coming up to help you get through the next couple of weeks and months as we move forward. So welcome back to Healthy Minds, and I'm wishing you all good mental health. Connect with us. We are Dragon Digital Radio. 